Growing a business is hard, but it does not have to be. Once a week, we take a break from the hustle and bustle in business to talk about innovations and what's new in the C-suite. This is the Fractional C-Suite Retreat, and I'm Joseph Frost. Pull up a seat at the fire, grab a drink, smoke a cigar, and just join me as we relax, learn, and get inspired. This retreat is sponsored by Your CMO, helping organizations grow with better marketing strategy. So today's guest is uh, focused on guiding small companies to align their business goals and technology tools. Uh, he has over eight years of experience uh, with high technology and business and uh, worked with some of the largest media technology and retail companies in Europe and the U.S. and uh, as fractional CTO at Data Up. So welcome, Mo Hassan. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thanks, Joe, for having me on here. So the qu first question I'd like to start with, Mo, is as a fractional um, professional, as you enter into the C-suites of the world, what is one opportunity that you see that a lot of C-suites might be missing? Yeah, a lot of, lot of C-suites often seem to be missing the area of knowledge in different, uh, different areas of the business that they do. For example, let's say that someone is e-commerce. I, I tend to focus only on e-commerce businesses, uh, more or less. So uh, oftentimes they will need a CTO like myself to kind of not know about the, the technical aspect of things that are going on. Of course, you need a CMO, uh, a CFO as well. So I think a lot of times just kind of figuring out who and what you need to be in place is a, a very important part. And that's oftentimes what I've seen is something that's missing uh, in terms of just the, the very basic knowledge of, okay, we need to work on you know, SEO or uh, conversion rate optimization or something like that is like just having that knowledge is so helpful because then you can say, okay, I need this person as a CTO or someone else, or you can get someone like myself kind of guide you through that, which is what I do a lot of times. But um, honestly, that's, that seems to be the biggest thing is um, there are a lot of pieces of knowledge that are missing in running a business, because as you and I know very well, uh, technology is improving and changing so dramatically that, you know, what I know today is not what I need to know, you know, next week. So I really need to keep up with everything and, you know, make sure I am keeping up, I'm staying on top of the technology, but also helping my clients through that. And if you can imagine a CEO uh, would have so much harder time just to know everything that has to happen in their business. So I think just kind of having a little bit of touch here and there and listening to a podcast where other knowledge uh, people come in, like, for example, like I was just listening to uh, one by um, <clears throat> Ezra, uh, he's the, the co-founder of uh, Boom, um, and he, he was sharing all his experiences about Black Friday and how it's improved over the last few years. So he's now sharing, okay, we're making millions of dollars during just the Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And that, that's not something that you and I would know normally, right? So like listening to those kinds of podcasts and your podcast, these kinds of things are, I think, super helpful. Interesting. So you see the opportunity that C-suites are missing out on is the knowledge that maybe they don't know they need because yes. they're kind of in their own space, yeah. in their own thinking, mm -hmm. they're not exposed to some of the new innovative ideas out there. So just the idea of bringing in a fractional C-anything yes. could be what's missing in some of the C-suites. Exactly, exactly. I think, like I said, like it's, it's just too much to know for one person, like even me, like I, I know about the technical aspects of things, but I'm not really a CMO. I wouldn't do the creative stuff. I wouldn't know the best way to handle some of those uh, 
uh, things that you guys come up with. I can help you in the technical aspect of things, but that's just not really my expertise. I wouldn't know anything about finance. I mean, I do some things for my business, but I don't, I don't have the expertise to say, okay, I'm going to save you $10,000 by doing these tax things or whatever, right? So I think that's why it's really important to have those specific fractional uh, folks that will help you, guide you through that. But also I think it's useful to have a good understanding of just a little bit of what does that even mean? You know, just that the basic knowledge. Yeah, I think that's brilliant. I don't think I've heard that uh, answer yet. And it just, it makes me think that there's, you know, we don't know what we don't know. That's mm. kind of an old adage. And in the, in the boardrooms and in the C-suites, yeah. we're limited by the people that are in the room with us. Yeah. And even if we have somebody that's got some competency in, in marketing mm. or financials or technology, it may not be up to date because, yeah. mm -hmm. or there may be opportunities outside of the organization. When yeah. you see a change in one industry, it could be applied to your industry. So mm -hmm. a mm -hmm. fractional professional could give some of that, those insights on a regular basis. Yeah, would absolutely. You, would you recommend businesses consider having like a, a different fractional professional come in from time to time and just evaluate their current setup? Is that, yeah. is that how you would solve that? Absolutely. Even if I was working with a if the company as a fractional CTO for whatever I'm trying to do, I think even in my in that sort of capacity, it still makes sense for someone else to come in and give their perspective because I'm I'm working in the way that I know. I have a very heavy analytics background, so everything that I do is very data driven. But you know, someone else might be thinking about it from a creative perspective, for example, right? So like, uh, I mean, see, a CMO would do that, but. Still, I think it would make sense to, you know, have like an audit, especially for a bigger business, have an audit of something that is happening, uh, you know, once a year or every couple of years or something like that, I think is, is useful. Or, or a lot of times the way uh, businesses take an approach of having advisors, I think that's another great way of, of handling this. Like, okay, these are my board of advisors, whether it's another, you know, maybe technical person or some experience with that kind of say, okay, well, that thing, you know, maybe it could come up, uh, we could do something in a little different way, because I'm not going to say that I'm always right. I'm not. <laughs> I think that's okay. It's because we don't have, we don't always know uh, everything that we need to know potentially in the moment that we need it, right? So having another expertise, another person coming in from a different angle, I think is always really interesting. Yeah, I, th I think that's fascinating. I've never thought of it that way. It makes my mind spin about how, as a business owner myself, you know, I've never, I've not had a CTO come in and look at what we're doing. I've not had a, um, well, we have had a fractional salesperson look at what we're doing. We have had fractional CFOs, um, but I, I've not actually thought that I would need a CTO to look at our business because mm -hmm. this, there's not been a pain point there. Right. But what you're suggesting is more of a proactive thought, which mm -hmm. would be, I should just have somebody fresh looking at all aspects of my business through you know, every year, almost mm -hmm. like a checkup, like a health checkup. Mm -hmm. Just once you yeah. have somebody come in um, to see if there's something we could be doing better or different or unique. Exactly. Or we're just fine. You're good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, especially for a bigger business uh, that that, you know, it could cost a few thousand dollars. But at the end of the day, the benefit that you get from that is so much more because either the worst case scenario, you know that you're doing everything perfectly and you know, you're fine. You can just continue on because at that point you're probably flawless and everything, every process that you have, but most like more, more 
likely than not, you're probably going to have a lot of list of things that you need to improve uh, or something that hasn't been thought about in a different, uh, you know, different way. So I think that that's really the power of having different people come in and kind of share their expertise or experiences. Yeah, I, I like that. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an idea guy. My mind starts <laughs> like, oh, well, we could we could uh, have the fractional professional association offer uh, mm-hmm. business health checkups. Yeah, uh, and. Yeah open your business to five professionals, a, a salesperson, a marketing person, mm-hmm. a technology person, operations person, and a finance person. And we'll come mm-hmm. in and we'll look under the hood and see what's going on. And, and then we'll give you a quick report back. And it could be just a, a great way for businesses to know they're, 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 they're healthy and they're, they're, mm-hmm. everything's good, or there's some areas of concern and it'd be a nice service offering for. Yeah, I love that. I think that that would be fantastic to do. I do a little bit of that myself before I start with any company, uh, work with any company. I always do this, um, uh, just an audit that kind of encompasses everything on the the technology side, as well as some marketing side. So I look at, okay, how is your sales been over the, uh, well, I work with e-commerce companies, so sales is in like um, online sales, right? So uh, how has your sales been over the last year or quarter? And how do we associate that with, let's say your website, that's a big, portion of how you are making these sales, right? So that's that's a big technology piece. And then there's all the components that go along with that. So there's QuickBooks and there's all these, you know, integrations that does your shipping and the other things, right? So what are the areas of automation that we can apply to say, okay, this is what's getting done now and we can speed it up potentially or uh, make that better. But, you know, these are all the different things for happening from the user perspective, user experience perspective, right? That's something that we don't think about at all, unfortunately, in most of our businesses, but user experience experience is so critical right so like you think about a main street uh, shop like a retail shop that you own right if you were or if someone was coming into your store you'd probably say hello and you know kind of introduce yourself for the most part uh, and then kind of as they're checking out kind of ask oh how was your experience this and that thing you don't get to do any of that online so it's really important to figure out okay well how did my customer come into you know to see the x product that i have on my site and did they leave did they did they hang out for a while did they sign up for an email newsletter or something so like assume looking at all those different pieces is really important i tried to do that i wouldn't go that in depth obviously for an initial uh, audit but i try to figure out some of those pieces to see if it's even really really a valid um thing for me to even work like I, i've worked i've done an audit for a business it's like i we, there's nothing that you need me here for you're doing well you know continue on maybe come back next year we'll talk about more but uh, that's kind of how i look at everything just audit first figure out what to do and how the company's doing and then kind of take the next approach or how do we what do we improve and how do we do it yeah that's great so tell me a little little bit more about what you do and, and how you got into your fractional role yeah, so I got into this in a kind of a funny way because uh, I uh, I was working as a sales engineer before. So for those that don't know what a sales engineer is, basically I I am an engineer. I understand all the you know the the coding aspect of things. How to like under, understand the the management of the of a product that has to be sold or whatever like that. But also, I understand the sales aspect. So I, I go into the sales meeting in front of a, a C exec, you know, and I will say, okay, what are your pain points, and how do we do this right now? How do we improve this right now? And so that's kind of the what a sales engineer does, not only to 
talk to the, 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 the people that are having those pain points, figure out from a technology solution, how do we improve that? So I was working with that um, uh, at a company called New Relic. Uh, uh, for several years, I was working in uh, New York and in London for a couple of years each, and you know, got a chance to work with really, really big companies. And it just gave me this um, feeling of confidence that I could do something on my own, you know? So it just kind of like, just made me feel that I, I, it is possible, I could do it. So <laughs> I, I was uh, saving some money on the side to be able to start my own company. And uh, I did that last year. And honestly, it was, um, it's, it's a great decision. I, I, I love it so far. There are challenges like we were talking about before. Uh, there are challenges to every business, but you know, working through how to figure that out has is, is really been uh, honestly fun and, uh, and something that I wouldn't have gotten from my, my uh, day job before. So, so I, I'm grateful to be able to even, even do this and, uh, and kind of take on this journey of having this business. So in my business, I work with e-commerce companies specifically to help them figure out how to make their processes and systems better. So for example, I work a lot with e-commerce company or a Shopify company. So in a Shopify environment, you might see, for example, uh, there, there are a lot of different integrations that need to be in place. There are a lot of different things that need to be uh, improved over time in terms of customer experience. So we call that customer um, uh, uh, CRO. Uh, so, so in order to improve that, there are certain things that we need to have in terms of strategies. We can't always just say like, okay, we're going to improve these 10 things all of a sudden because that's just not really realistic. Uh, so we'll look at all those different 10 things and say, okay, how does this happen over the next quarter or next year? And we will kind of make a strategy on, on, uh, on making those little pieces happen. So for example, I'm working with one client right now that um, uh, we're, we're doing a upgrade of their Shopify platform. So uh, getting a new theme, making sure some of the backend things are cleared up because they have thousands of products. And uh, so there's a lot of different pieces go on with that. I'm basically helping them manage it, not only manage it, but also looking at it from a perspective of how do we improve all of these things that way the sales go up. So it's a little bit of um, a little bit of technical aspect, but also working with the, the salespeople, the, the marketing people to make sure that everything is just working flawlessly as much as possible. So do you consider yourself similar to a consultant or different from a consultant and, and how? Mm, I would say I'm, I'm a consultant, but in consulting, I feel most of the time we would just give recommendations and step away, but I like to be there almost doing like a product a project management with the client as things are going along to make sure it is getting done the right way. Because I've, I've had this situation where I, I create a plan and I leave and then, you know, three months later, I come back, how's it going? Well, it hasn't been done the right way or properly because, you know, the, the things weren't understood properly uh, or something like that. So, so I, I like to take the approach. Yes, I'm a consultant, but I'm also going to help you through the projects that need to get done. Yeah. And how do you differ from a uh, full-time resource? Is it just plain they don't need a full-time resource uh, and that's why you're a good fit? Or are there differences between someone that would do this full-time for a company versus a fractional? Yeah, that's a good point. There are plenty of uh, CTOs that are full-time 
with a lot of e-commerce brands. I mean, there are tons of different e-commerce brands that are small to big, right? So I, I like to work with one to 20 million is sort of my, my sweet spot. Uh, in that area, I most of the time see there isn't really a full need for or a whole need for a full-time CTO because there are things that need to get done, but they don't have to be something that, uh, you know, you're doing on a you know daily basis. There, you know, there are CTOs that do a lot of the things, hands-on kind of, thing, but I, I like to focus on a lot of the, the strategic things and making sure projects are getting done um, as they're supposed to get done on time. So that I, I take a little bit of a different approach. And I think that works out for my clients specifically, because uh, honestly, they, uh, to have a full-time CTO, you'd probably need to spend quite a bit every year, uh, but uh, hiring me on a, you know, a certain period of you know, month or hours or whatever uh, we contract out to be, that works out better for them because um, not only do we do they have a great plan over you know the quarter um, uh, year, they also we're also helping them through that to make sure that they are those projects are getting done uh, at the right way. We're not going to necessarily do there are certain things we do for them, but um, but a lot of things we like to make sure that we're working with third party vendors that are doing the things and we we can hold on to them. There are some certain clients who will come back to me and they'll say, oh, can you do this for me? Which I do, you know, from time to time. Uh, or I'll have uh, folks in my uh, my staff do some of the things for me. So uh, we take a different approach depending on the client. But um, but most of the time, I think that fractional CTOs are, are perfect for especially the one to 20 million. Yeah. Are many of your clients um, retailers that are trying to go to the e-commerce space or are they native? Kind of, we're just going to start an e-commerce business. Mm, it's It's a mix. Honestly, it's pretty much just in between i would say it's hard to answer that question because most of the time it's a retail business that already exists and they've you know they've been around for a long time for example i work with a uh, a um, company in fort worth they do uh, provide safety equipment for uh, for linemen the people that work up on the the wires fixing things you know um, linemen arborists iron workers etc and so they their business has been around have been around for 75 years right that's a very old business in, especially in that industry and uh, they they started in their journey of having uh, like an online um, a shop very long time ago over 20 years ago so they, they started very very early but over time they've improved and done a lot of things to um, have a really good you know online system but um, oftentimes we're you know sometimes like with some sometimes I'll work with someone that hasn't really had any store at all like I'm working with this startup right now who's building a uh, a play marketplace essentially where they're, they're sourcing products and selling things from their central location where there are a lot of vendors that have a lot of different products. So basically the idea is, hey, you come to this one place to buy all your products that you need instead of going to five different places to put five different orders. So there are lots of different, um, I guess, scenarios that are happening, but in most cases I'm seeing a retail and e-commerce mix. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I'm curious, what would you tell a business owner to look for uh, what's some of the criteria to hiring a good CTO, a fractional CTO? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think even like a regular CTO, a fractional CTO, the the role, the 
the role may be slightly different, but in terms of who you're looking for, it probably wouldn't be that very, very different. Um, one of the biggest thing would be obviously the technical background, if they need to have a good technical background, you know, whether it's sort, sort of like mine, where I come from corporate and I, I have various background in you know, engineering and uh, coding, but also managing certain things. I think those, those are useful, but, you know, like just making sure they have a technical background, first of all, um, and project management skills. I think, I think this is so key because when it comes to kind of playing the the role that we play, at, at least from the, the thing that I see is we have to manage a lot of different things. And, you know, in a single, single um, client, I may be handling, you know, like 10 projects at a time because there's just so much going on. And so I think that project management sort of idea uh, is very important unless they have more people in their business but uh, to kind of handle the the smaller pieces. But especially in like a one to 20 million business, I see a lot of times it's, it's a, uh, it's it's like the CTO is having to kind of make sure everything is going in the right direction. Um, I think like for me, I, I approach everything from an analytics perspective because I have that background in analytics where I've done that for many years. I look at dashboards, I look at data. It's, it's something that excites me personally, but that doesn't have to be for everyone. But I think it is also important whether it's the CTO doing it or looking at that you know information uh, data driven way, but. Uh, whether that or the CMO, whoever, I think someone needs to look at those things as well. Yeah. So project management is a big piece. The, mm -hmm. the expertise is important. Um, when you work with clients, what are some of the things that uh, are red flags for you, clients that you don't want to work with? Are there any particular types of clients or products or services that you stray away from? Not necessarily products, products and services that I stray away from. I, I personally am a huge traveler. I've, I've traveled the world, uh, you know, at this point, I've been to seven continents. So I, I just find a passion uh, with that sort of thing where it's like travel related things. We're talking about travel. So it's just something that makes me excited. So if there are clients that are out there that uh, are brands that are out there that are, you know, looking for, you know, uh, CTO that are in that space that would just make me just super excited just to talk to them <laughs> and even if we don't work together right it's just something I enjoy so that that would kind of make me automatically gravitate towards that there there are scenarios where I've, I've literally just told clients no I'm not going to work with you this is not the right time because um, they don't understand sort of the need for a CTO it's just like okay I have all these problems technically let's go fix it. But it's not just about let's go fix it. It's about how do we fix it and what is the right, uh, right approach to fixing it, right? So some, you know, there, there, for one problem, there might be different solutions, but the, the more important thing is the expectation piece, right? So if, if um, like I've run into owner and business owners before who's like, okay, I need this done tomorrow. It's not going to get done tomorrow, especially when it's a technical problem, because those things, you know, you have to really get a good strategy, first of all, behind it, and then, you know, put some development time or you know, whatever it needs to be. I think that's where uh, there is disconnect where I, I'm not going to sign up for that project because it's just going to look bad on me, you know, two months down the line when things aren't getting done because their, their expectation is just not in the right place. So I do try to make sure that um, the expectation setting is uh, done uh, well most of the time with my clients and most of the time it's good, but, but it, that, that's oftentimes where I, I just kind of, you know, step away. So this is not really my project because um, the understanding is just not really there. If, if someone's open to understanding it and talking about it, then I'm absolutely open to having those conversations and figuring out how to uh, work with them. Yeah. So would you get invo involved in projects uh, 
especially in e-commerce, I would expect, where you have to interact with other C-suite members, mm-hmm. um, marketing as an example, mm-hmm. if there's a yeah. e-commerce play, how, then how much of, of the gray area do you, you share? Because you're probably looking at things like technical SEO on the site, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, attribution to different mm-hmm. uh, from a technology standpoint to different tactics like adwords or email marketing um i would imagine also just diverse tech in play trying to get data from one source to another is going to require getting involved with financing on the quickbook side or the mm-hmm. other side with marketing on the <clears throat> analytics side so how do you collaborate uh, within the c-suite yeah, that's actually really important um, for for me specifically, um, for any CTO. I think I would think, but the the thing that that I find kind of strange and also funny, I guess, in a way, because I am oftentimes I'm almost seen as a CMO, but I'm not really a CMO because like I'm not really doing the same thing as as a CMO would do, right? Like I I, I understand like your CPC and your you know, ads that you're running in different campaigns. Like I, I get all that pieces. I get it from a technical perspective. I get it from an analysis perspective, but I wouldn't tell you, oh, okay, well, Joe, now you got to go run this one campaign for, you know, buy one, get one free. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess I could assume I could uh, have a good idea maybe, but those would be just assumptions for me. So yeah, like I could see like, as, as I, as I get more experience, maybe I could build myself as a CMO, but right now it's, it's, I'm a CTO and that's what I do. But what the differentiation that I, I make for, for a CTO for myself and a CMO is I help the CMOs figure out all the technical pieces because there's going to be a lot of things that, that um, the CMOs are going to need help with. And that's where I, I can help figuring out what the best decision is in some of those areas. And so, for example, like um, the, the easiest way to think about what I do with my clients e-commerce wise would be to think about automation. Anytime we're thinking about, okay, we need to automate something in our business. Um, that is a conversation for me, not a CMO. Uh, we're talking about a, um, a integration from one thing to another. That is a conversation for me. I mean, a CMO would be involved or other, other C execs would be involved, but that would be a, a project for a CTO to handle. Um, you know, there are things, other things like um, user experience improvements. Those would be um, something that potentially a CMO would get involved with. I would also get involved with in figuring out best way to handle it. Um, but yeah, I, I work with C, CMOs all the time. I work with COOs um, uh, a lot as well. CEOs, depending on the type of company, some company CEOs really ha- let that part handle uh, be handled by the CMO or COO, uh, which is totally fine. Um, but um, it kind of tends to kind of circle around those. I very rarely work with a CFO. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of it. CMO and CEO tends, or CEO tend to be the, the biggest um, C execs that I work with. Yeah, especially in, mm-hmm. in e-commerce, it's so data-driven that you need to have good data. You need that technology mm-hmm. piece in place. Mm-hmm. And I can yeah. see how having you come in and, and help a CMO understand that. Because CMOs mm-hmm. typically are not, well, I shouldn't say not. We're more and more, we're having to be experts oh, on the sure. mm-hmm. side of marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, an, you know, we're not engineers, although I am a chemical engineer. <laughs> but, uh, not every marketer out there is an engineer. So having, um, and even if they were just like a traditional C-suite might not know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. I know enough about data and marketing to be dangerous, but you probably can come into a client and in in a few 
uh, a few assessments, understand some real opportunities that I or one of my other CMOs wouldn't wouldn't catch right away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, and uh, that's a, that's a great point because I do try to partner with other CMOs in working in projects that they they're trying to do uh, work on. So, for example, I, I started working with um, Jay recently uh, with one of his clients that he's working with, and uh, he, he did a really good job on uh, drafting a a requirements sheet for a the, his client that wants to redesign their their Shopify site. Um, and I kind of took a look at it. There are some things that I thought that we would do better in different ways or, you know, kind of sharing some um, some of my opinions from a technical perspective. So I, I did that and we're, we're kind of going on along on that project. Um, but I'm kind of helping out in the technical areas and as well as the development areas to make sure that his um, his client is happy. So like that's an example of where we, he and I are working together and he's a CMO, I'm a CTO, and we're doing just one project, right? So that that's a, a really good example of how I can work with someone as a C, C, CMO. Yeah, I see that completely. Mm-hmm. Um, that's interesting. I, I think the, the biggest opportunity for the C-suite out there is finding a fractional professional. You've said that. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's also collaborating with other fractional professionals that that, um, that one initial fractional professional could bring into play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when you look at it from a value standpoint, the, the, the cost to access such great talent at the in the fractional world uh, it's it's completely accessible whereas before you'd almost have to hire somebody full-time for oh, for sure six mm-hmm. months or 12 months to get that mm-hmm. level of of expertise now mm-hmm. you can just engage them at a fraction of their time for a three or six or 12 month or mm-hmm. in our case we're usually 18 to 24 months we're helping build that core competency of marketing within an organization mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um what other uh, criteria would you recommend a, a business owner look at when they're trying to engage with a fractional person? Other criteria? I think we talked about, uh, you, you mean like outside of the technical yeah. Um, person? Yeah, mm. uh, was one. Yeah, does anything else come to mind? Yeah, let me think. So I think... Um, like uh, the technical piece is what I think about all the time. <laughs> so that's, yeah, uh, I, mean, I think you important. mentioned it for technical, the expertise and then the project management mm-hmm. uh, is mm-hmm. key. Yeah. And um, well, one of the things that I'm seeing um, is uh, as things are becoming more and more technical, the um, creative side is also like from a CMO uh, a marketing perspective, the creative side is also becoming um, different because of all the social media changes and all these things that are changing, right? So uh, it's almost one of those things that um, the the folks that have been a fractional, you know, whatever role they play, uh, they're almost having to learn new things constantly and like just figure out how do we pivot and do things in a different way, just like the the business owners are, right? So that's the same same sort of idea, but from that same same market or same the same perspective so like one of the things that i'm seeing is um being creative but 
in like the new age, I guess it's, it's like I'm trying to think of a way to say it properly. So it's like now, uh, as you know, uh, TikTok is huge, right? Like any any videos that you have where people are, are uh, jumping around, running around, that's going to be more eye catchy than this long, you know, ad that someone has to read. No one's going to read that. We all know that, right? So it's one of those interesting things that yes, like we we know we think about creative, you know, side of marketing in in a certain way, but a lot of them isn't really working anymore. So we have to almost kind of kind of reinvent that that marketing wheel is like, okay, how do we attract customers, you know, in the in the newest way? So I feel like it's one of those things that as as um, brand owners are looking for looking for new fractional folks, I think it's useful to make sure that they're in tuned with the with the market to make sure what, you know, they understand everything that's going on and what the latest, you know, you know, marketing tactic is or marketing thing that's working, you know, as an example, um, like I said, I don't really work a whole lot on the, the, the finance side. So it's uh, something that outside of my um, knowledge base, but um, uh, same thing goes for the um, operational side, right? They, there's so much going on to improve the operational side that you really need to make sure that your COO is up to date in the processes that are, um, that are latest and making sure that they are the most, um, you know, intuitive in that moment, right? So that's that's what I feel like is um, is a useful thing to make sure is your fractional people to not only having that experience of you know things that they've done in the past, but what are the things that um, they're working on now that's working, and you know, is that the industry sort of where the industry is moving? Yeah, I'm curious about Shopify. Uh, it seems to be a pretty popular e-commerce mm. site, yeah. but I'm more curious about why, how you got that as your focus specialty and what you like most about Shopify for, for business owners to consider. Yeah. So I, I work with other, other e-commerce platforms outside of Shopify as well. Like I work with um, Magento, uh, BigCommerce and WooCommerce as well. Those are other platforms that an e-commerce business could be based on. Mm. But uh, what I notice uh, uh, is Shopify is this sort of um, flexible but not flexible environment, right? So you can think, okay, like you you can make your website, your e-commerce site, this very colorful and fun place, right? That's that's a very creative way to think about it. But at the same time, they're they're only going to let you change so much. So it's almost this: they let you change certain things to an extent, but they're also holding you down saying okay these are the things that are you're not going to change we're going to keep it the same way and people get frustrated about that um, but what i find is, but i like that in a way because it it almost makes that conversation be very geared towards success and shopify you know they do this on day in day out so they know what success looks like for for an e-commerce brand and so what happens is the the business owner right or brand owner may say oh, okay like i have all these different ideas okay great that's fantastic but you're only you know going to be able to do you know this uh, amount of that because that's what works and that's what's proven to work so if you go outside of it yeah it's possible but it's not really necessary and then you're wasting not only dev resources you're wasting time and money on doing those things that may not really matter at the end of the day so i think that's one of the biggest things that i like about shopify it's very easy very intuitive to start a business and you know make it better but that's kind of where uh, someone like me would come in like a few years later as you're running your uh, Shopify 
business is it's going to get complicated and you're going to need someone to kind of help you figure out how do you go through that, get through that complication and make better decisions uh, outside of it. Whereas for example, Magento, I have a, I have a client in Magento who's working on uh, this, this marketplace that I was talking about. Right. So this, this environment is so complex that like every single thing that has to happen has to be thought, had been, had been thought about before. And there are rules for certain things. So, okay, so you're ordering these three things or whatever, that's going to take a different rule. And you're, you, you're from this specific um, uh, uh, office in a, in a business that's going to have a different rule. So, so that's when you really get to a place where you're, you're probably this like very complicated um, e-commerce brand or have this need of a complicated brand. And that's when in Magento, something like Magento makes sense. WooCommerce is kind of one of those in-between. You could do quite a bit on WooCommerce, but at the same time, most of the time when people are on WooCommerce, it's, it's a mess because that is the problem because you can do so much and people just do so much. And at the end of the day, you know, they, it, that's not all useful. So uh, that's kind of what I see across the different platforms. And I, I personally like Shopify at the moment. I, um, uh, I'm focusing on that at the moment, but I, like I said, I also work with other clients. So I'm totally okay with that as well. How do you get involved with like Amazon or other uh, marketplaces that need to integrate with, with the Shopify or the, the, the e-commerce store? Yeah, so I personally don't haven't uh, done anything on e-commerce or uh, on uh, Amazon yet so far. I know there's the whole Amazon FBA thing um, and other brands, but most of the brands that I'm working with, they are uh, just on their own platform and they're integrating with like something, something like Facebook. They obviously have their shop now. Uh, there are some customers that have these specific requirements where they want to for example, do like a wholesale environment where they'll, you know, like uh, it's kind of a silly example, but let's say that you want to sell to Apple only, Apple employees only, right? So they'll probably need like a very specific type of um, e-commerce store. So there, there's that idea. So there's some things that done over there, but uh, most of the time um, it tends to be just that platform. Um, but um, yeah, I haven't, I haven't worked with any clients that are working with Amazon yet, but it's, it would just be an integration to Amazon and just making sure the products and copyright and stuff like that would be um, yeah. ported over. I think it's a unique business model for those retailers that are having to sell onto mm -hmm. Amazon and then over time convert the Amazon customer to a native customer on their own site for the repeat business. It's, yeah, it's a yeah. big challenge that mm -hmm. we, we see some of our clients going through. And I'm just curious from a technology standpoint if, if you've had much experience there, but it sounds like- No, not necessarily, but I had this one client who was working through a vendor who was selling on Amazon, the same products. And then there was the products on, on the um, native site. And so in that scenario, basically like, you know, they would ship out these products every month. And then the, the, that vendor that had a relationship with Amazon already built, they were selling, you know, whatever they amount they needed. They, when they ran out, they just asked for more. Um, one of the interesting things there was um, how, uh, to not necessarily to port people over back and forth, but it was mostly just to kind of uh, create the brand awareness and having a, uh, having a, um, a uh, uh, something that allowed people to become your native client customer and to be honest that was 
pretty difficult most of the time, unless like you had like, you know, like you would just give them 20% off or something, which if you're doing that, you're, you're probably looking at um, cutting your margin quite a bit. But, um, but if you, if you are able to do that, that most of the time I've seen that you, your Amazon customers will go over to, um, to your uh, native site. But, you know, at the same time, when you think about it, if you're working with Amazon, you're probably giving away almost 20% anyway. So it sometimes does make sense. So we've, yeah. we've run campaigns like that. Uh, before try to get some people over but that works really well when someone needs to buy something over and over if it's like you know i buy with this one thing and i don't need to buy it for another two or three years then it's a little bit harder uh, so that's the kind of uh, that's the client that i had there was a product that you would only buy probably like you know once uh two three years and then you probably need to get another one so that's a little bit of a different scenario but um but uh, there is an interesting opportunity there for sure yeah very good Let's transition a little bit. Tell me what you like to do uh, personally for fun. I uh, t- I travel. <laughs> yeah, tell me what uh, your uh, what uh, what's the most unique place you've traveled. Most unique place would uh, be Antarctica. That's uh, that's the the place that uh, most people haven't been. So that's something that uh, is, most people just ask me a lot of questions about. But um, basically, I, I had an opportunity in. Uh, 2016, I realized that because I was traveling for work and everything, by the um, summertime, I had been to five, five continents. So it kind of became a mission for myself to go to the last two. So I, uh, I ended up uh, making like a last minute decision to go to Antarctica uh, that, uh, that November, just, just about this time, actually, around Thanksgiving. So it's this funny thing. Uh, we had a, a Thanksgiving meal on a boat, on a ship in Antarctica. <laughs> Yeah. So how did you get to? How did you get there? Did you leave from the? Yeah. So uh, there are two. uh, At least from this part of the world, you can leave from two parts: the um, the Argentinian side or Chilean side in South America. So in the the where I left was the bottom, very very bottom part of Argentina. If you look at on a map, it's like the very top. The you know sort of thing that like bends in a little bit. Uh, There's a little town called Ushuaia, and uh, they from there you basically get on a cruise boat essentially uh, much smaller than like those humongous uh, cruise ships uh, it's probably like one quarter of the size of those things and uh, but it's still it's still really big obviously to to make that um, uh, journey over the southern ocean but anyway so it takes about two and a half days from the bottom of Argentina to get to Antarctica and once you get there you're basically just you know going from one place to another you're staying on the boat the whole time uh, there was a, a time when we we're supposed to do camping on Antarctica uh, itself, wow. but uh, the weather was um, coming in, uh, bad weather was coming in. So unfortunately we couldn't, but we, um, we, uh, one of my buddies, he just kind of <laughs> did this funny thing. He was like, okay, can we sleep on top of the ship? <laughs> and so, so we slept on the top of the ship that day instead of sleeping in our bunks. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, fun moments. But Antarctica would definitely be one of those sort of very quirky and different places that I've been. What did it, did, what did it look like? Was that all ice and, and snow or was there rocks and well, you know, what, what, what's, what's Antarctica look like? Very little rocks that you can see anyway. All the rocks are, I mean, there are tons of rocks, obviously, but they're all covered with snow and um, some ice, but mostly snow. So you, you, you kind of think about a mountain range that you've seen before, you know, like a, a very green and then probably on the top, you see some snow and, you know, vast sort of environment, you know, in a mountain range. 
So think about that. Now think about just dropping a bunch of snow on top of all of that. So it's just all looks like white. So it's kind of like looking at a, a, a white background of everything, but it's, you know, it got, got some um, creativeness to it. So, you know, so that you see a lot of, well, from the, the point that we were on, uh, we're, we'd be on water, obviously, on the, because of the boat most of the time. So we would see water in front of us, like just, just so much water. And then uh, we'd see just mountains on the side and there were just humongous mountains. <laughs> just oh, like wow. So unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable mountains, yeah. Uh, but once you, so, so obviously Antarctica is humongous, it's so big, but we just um, spent time in just a very small part of um, the, the edge of Antarctica. Uh, a lot of people that are, for example, um, um, not really explorers, I guess, not that much anymore, but the people that do um, um, research now, they go to specific bases. So Antarctica is divided up into se several sections of um, the, the land and certain sections are owned, not really owned, but they're dictated by certain um, governments. So for example, um, like the US, <laughs> funnily enough, has giant circle in the middle. So technically anything that has to be uh, uh, a, a rule that has to be made. The U.S. has to be uh, in that um, uh, in that decision. But uh, so, like you have like Argentina owns like a part of it, and then Chile owns a part of it, and like you know, like I think France and so I can't remember exactly. But the, there are countries that own different sections of Antarctica. So once you get into Antarctica further, then it, the pictures. I've, I haven't been there personally, but the pictures just look like just just desolate land of just white. <laughs> That's yeah, what it looks just like. all white. Yeah, well, that sounds fascinating. What's your next destination you want to get to that's equally fascinating in your mind? Well, it's not something that I have planned, but I do want to go to the Arctic, uh, the north uh, uh, side. Um, I uh, the the leader of the of the um, uh, adventure, I guess I'll call it, um, was um, this guy who's like just very fascinating guy, just super uh interesting who's lived like in you know in the arctic regions to do tours and all kinds of craziness you know like he's gone to antarctica a bunch a bunch of times so like he was telling me all these stories about uh, being up in the arctic and having like these very interesting experiences and so uh, I, I think that's that would be super super interesting so that's on my list but probably not for another few years this year i'm trying to go down back to, actually to chile to um to hang out down there and see some more uh, exploring. Uh, there's the Atacama Desert. So I want to go down there to see some stars and stuff like that. So let's see if that happens. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I love traveling myself. I've not traveled near as much as you have, uh, but it's just so much fun to get yeah. away, cool. experience new things, the adventure that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And then you, you learn how similar we are to different cultures yep. and then how unique each culture is and of course there's so much takeaway from that it's it's amazing uh -huh. yeah what's been the most favorite place uh, for you oh well it's probably more recent i just recently mm -hmm. took a trip to to switzerland oh nice it was a nine day hiking trip with nine nine of my uh, buddies and we just it was a different it was a different destination every day but we had very fluid uh agenda for each day mm -hmm. so it was like it was like a unique experience uh it was a fresh uh adventure each day and uh but we all ended up at the same place at the at the end of the night it was so much fun Be switzerland's beautiful we were in interlocking area mm -hmm. um in between all these different mountain ranges 
and we were doing hikes for about half the trip and then okay. exploring for the other half of the trip. Mm. That was lovely. And the train system there was amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I was, I was so yeah. amazed about how easy it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could take a train to the top of like a 14,000 foot mountain. Right. Train yeah. there. You could yeah. start from a train <laughs> down in, in the plains and take the train here and uh-huh. then the train there yeah. and the train there. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, in Europe, the the train system is just just so nice. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to get to um, Asia. I've not spent any time mm-hmm. in Asia. I think that would be uh, whether it be India, China, Japan, you know, any of those er- mm-hmm. areas. Just in that part of the world, I've not spent any time. Yeah, that'd, that'd be my next big uh, goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I, um, I was born in Bangladesh, actually, uh, just next to India. So I spent obviously a lot of my life there. But I got a chance um, right before uh, I started my business. I took some time off from work. Well, I, I quit my job, but I, I had uh, some time. So uh, basically, I did like nine months of uh, travel in Asia and Australia. So I, I spent quite a bit of time then. But um, I, I love it. I mean, uh, Asia and Europe is just so accessible and so different from one place to another. It's, it's just a fascinating kind of um, thing to just spend time in different cultures and just see what they're doing and uh, the food. I mean, the food is the best part for me. <laughs> I love it. I love made. I love the food. That's, mm-hmm. that's the best part of travel anywhere. Even, yeah. even yeah. in the States, I like to oh, get for authentic sure. food mm-hmm. from, from mm-hmm. I was down in Austin and I said, take me to a barbecue place. And we just, we went to this amazing little barbecue spot uh, mm-hmm. i can't remember the name of the place it was so good mm-hmm. we don't get that in mm-hmm. nebraska <laughs> <laughs> well next time you come back down to austin you'll have to let me know we'll go yeah. out for more barbecue yeah we've mm-hmm. got a client down there that um is a little project i've been working on so i was able mm-hmm. to go down there and kick off some yeah. messaging work for them and awesome um they're uh you know that there may be an opportunity to connect you. They've got, I've got another, it's an investment group. So they've got another mm-hmm. project that sells tiny houses. Okay. And uh, it's, um, that's a, that's an interesting business. They build tiny <laughs> houses on the back of trailers, custom. Mm. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've seen those shows that, uh, that um, talk about building tiny houses. I forget the, the name of it, but uh, it seems interesting to be honest. Like I would like to almost try it for a little bit but i feel like uh my uh, soon-to-be wife is not going to be into that <laughs> yeah yeah it, it would be much tinier with you and her in it together <laughs> yeah yeah for sure mm. yeah um well i think this has been a great conversation i know the uh the the fractional world is 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 relatively new for for mm. people like us and you just yeah. been for a little while mm-hmm. um i think the most uh the CF, fractional CFO space is probably the most mature. It's been around for a while. I'd say so. Mm-hmm. Where, where do you see the, the fractional world going and the, from your perspective? Hmm, that's interesting because I, I feel like before a couple of few years ago, I, I didn't even know what a fractional anything is. When I started coming up with the idea of a fractional CTO, I actually didn't realize there were other fractional um, people out there. Uh, it was funny when um, uh, I, I had that on my LinkedIn, I, I said something like your fractional CTO. And then, um, and, uh, who was it? Uh, Rich, I think, um, 
re reached out to me and said, like, hey, uh, you're a fractional CTO. We do, we have this uh, fractional professional association. I'm like, what is that? And then he kind of told me about it. And I was like, wow, there's all these other people that are doing the same thing. So it, to me, it was like this sort of random, like, I didn't know this existed. Uh, and um, especially in the, the work that I do, I think there are so few, if I, I don't know who else is a fractional CTO, uh, out there, I think everyone kind of builds themselves as more like a consultant for for you know technical stuff. Uh, so it's interesting, like how like everyone approaches all these different things. And um, for me, like I said, like this was such a new thing. It's like okay, like I guess this is where this works. But as as I've been involved with you guys at FPA and kind of seeing more fractional people, it's just like whoa, there's like all these other people that existed for so long. Um, and now I'm realizing, yeah, like they're obviously the, the, the CFOs, you know, have been doing this for so long because it's kind of the nature of the business, but CMOs and um, COOs and whatnot. And uh, uh, the more, the, 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 as the day passes, I feel like the more people are, are kind of starting fractional something, right? So I think the, the growth in the business is just massive. And I think this is a really good opportunity for others to potentially, you know, do some of the same things that we do. But uh, in terms of where where the industry is going, I think from a technology perspective, like I said, so I was saying at the beginning, is there's so much shift and change change in the technology space that you're probably going to need like a very specific role in the fractional space, right? So like I am a CTO focusing on e-commerce things. You're probably going to need at some point a fractional um, like a cybersecurity person or a fractional. Um, I don't know, like other, well, CIOs could be potentially similar as well. So I feel like something like that, where it's very focused and very um, in tune with a very specific part of the business, because, yeah, you can ask me some security questions. I can tell you some answers, but I'm not an expert in security. Um, so it's kind of interesting, like kind of thinking about all those things. If we were doing a very security heavy project, I would definitely bring someone else that, else that has that experience to make sure that that does get done properly. So I think there's going to be some of that interesting things where, you know, as the, the great resignation is happening, there's going to be a lot more people, uh, you know, kind of coming into this world of, okay, let's do some of the fractional uh, work, but also at the same time, probably some more focus will be important at some point. Yeah. I see that trend coming and people I talk to see the same thing. There's more mm -hmm. and more people entering the workforce as a fractional mm -hmm. see mm -hmm. anything. Um, and the businesses are starting to become more aware of it as a, as a good mm -hmm. outsource mm -hmm. for them to find talent to bring in. Mm -hmm. How would you recommend the business owners vet um, one CTO from another. I think that's going to be the bigger challenge moving forward is if you have this plethora of people that hang a shingle saying they're fractional CTOs, how does a business owner bet that it's a real trustworthy solution and not just somebody who's in between jobs and just throwing up a consulting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, that's a really interesting point. And um, it would be interesting for me to kind of be not up against other CTOs, but like kind of, you know, kind of see how everyone else does it. Because right now I don't know other CTOs that are doing the same thing that I do. Uh, so it's almost like hard for me to say, like how to even compare, uh, uh, you know, one person to another. But, uh, you know, that um, that background of either, um, like I was saying, like the, the technical piece, like having like, you know, some experience in the thing that the client needs would be super important. If, if it's someone that's working in, if it's an e-commerce business, I think the analytics piece is just almost so invaluable that you need that piece. 
um, uh, project management, being able to communicate. Uh, that's something that sometimes, for example, like I even have trouble with when I'm trying to communicate with my clients is like sometimes we're handling such technical projects and uh, things that I have to break it down in a very, very simple way. But even then there's miscommunication happening. So like there's, there's this piece of figuring out how do you talk to your client, I think is going to be a, a very important piece as well. Uh, going forward so like figuring out not well obviously there's the, the, the all the stuff like you know making sure like they're they're vetted and you know their clients uh, you're talking to their clients or at least seeing some reviews to make sure that that, that is a legit company and you know they are um, they're proven in the way that you know things that they do but at the same time I think just kind of figuring out the communication style does it work for me or not you know this you know, this per does this person have some background in you know analyzing different things and making sure the projects are moving along those sort of kind of things I would say, would be important to figure out in a role like a CTO. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that very commonly. The communication between a fractional professional versus a full-time employee mm -hmm. um, communication is extra important on yeah. the uh, fractional side because you are virtual by definition or, yep. you're, remote mm -hmm. or you're not mm -hmm. there all the time. Yeah, for sure. So you have to, in that initial interaction, as you're doing some vetting, see how that communication goes. If it's spotty mm -hmm. inconsistent, that's probably how the ongoing relation is going to go. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Attentive and 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 you know very clear and and uh, concise. That's that's probably a better sign, for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I would agree with that. It's um it's interesting. This um uh, I think especially in the technical areas, sometimes the that's what I was saying all the way at the beginning of our conversations. Like the CEO or the COO, whoever the technical people are working with, they have to almost have some basic understanding of the technical you know, whatever it is um, that is going on to even have a conversation that is easy to, to maintain because outside of that, it just becomes one of those things like we're talking about like, you know, completely different things and just doesn't align um, easily. Uh, so so that, that communication piece, I would say is probably, like you said, is probably the most important. Very good. Well, how do we get people speaking of communication to be able to connect with you? What's the best uh, way? I, I would say LinkedIn is probably the best uh, way to connect with me. Uh, I'm assuming I can give you a link that we can share. Yeah, yeah we've got a link yeah. uh, and we'll share that in the show notes, but that's the Perfect. best way to reach out and connect if they want to mm -hmm. have more information and follow up with anything we talked about today. That'd be a mm -hmm. good way to do it. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, uh, obviously I have my website data up. Um, dot t-e-c-h data dot tech but um, i would say linkedin especially for someone coming from here i think it would be a good way to communicate with them and you know make sure that we are um, able to help if i if i can i, I try to post uh, some information on my linkedin from time to time about the things that are going on in the e-commerce space and you know technical um, uh, pieces that things should people should know sometimes it's like today i was talking about the um ezra uh guy who is uh uh, Ezra Firestone, the guy um, who is the co-founder and CEO of Boom, I was sharing some um, uh, thoughts about a podcast that he did, for example. So I try to make sure that it's uh, somewhat relevant to my uh, my clients, so that may be helpful. That's great. Well, thanks for your time today, Mo. It's it's a pleasure catching up a little more detail. I loved our conversation about travel. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, I'm actually traveling tonight to to Colorado to visit my oh, nice. my son for startup uh, or parents weekend, uh, so I'll get a little travel in this weekend. But it's just quick nice. in and out. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I hope you enjoy that. That's that should be nice right now. Yeah, I appreciate mm -hmm. that. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Thanks for being here. Appreciate. Thanks, it. Thanks, I appreciate the opportunity. Have a good day. And that's a wrap. There's another successful episode of the Fractional C Suite Retreat.
See our show notes and more episodes at fractionalcsuiteretreat.com. This podcast is sponsored by Your CMO, helping organizations grow, save time and money with better marketing strategy and fractional execution. Visit them at yorcmo.com, yourcmo.com, spelled wrong on purpose.